I'm Kevin Cheedy, and you're listening to the Not Bitter Just Better podcast. This is the Not Bitter Just Better podcast. The Everton Hour, straight, straight from, from the street, street end. end. Hello everyone and welcome to Not Bitter, Just Better, Everton Podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here with Mark. Mark. Alright, Mark. Alright, son. Uh, good to see you getting here on time tonight as well. Uh, we can't review the first five games, five minutes of the game on Saturday, can we? Because you weren't there and because you weren't there, I weren't there because you had me ticket. I thought we were just meeting, meeting at the bookies at five, uh, five, five past eight tonight. Is that, Is that what we were meant to be doing? <laughs> It'd be a windy podcast if we did it from the Bookies on uh, Gladys Street. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate that. I hate when my brother messaged me and said, oh, I've got Mark's ticket here. Do you fancy taking it? And uh, I was like, oh, I'm going straight out. Can I really, can, really, do I really have to? So, yeah, that's what happens when you trust me with your season ticket. You could have come a lot earlier to the game with me, but you wanted to get a bath, you big girl. A bath. Did you have candles <laughs> and a bath bomb? No, I just fell asleep in it for a bit. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure uh, I'm sure our listeners are well excited by our uh, pre-match uh, meet-up palaver on Saturday. Uh, I bet they're, just, there, su- I bet they're just surprised that you get a bath. That's what I bet they're thinking now. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So last week we we had to we ended up running a little, uh, uh, cutting a little bit short because uh, we recorded the first part a little bit early and then we. We couldn't really finish it off, so I had to. Uh, I'm sure nobody noticed that seamless little uh, edit by me. Yeah, I, I did like it. I did a Bernard, didn't I? I could only, it was only there for sort of 60 minutes. I could only do that, and then uh, I had to get subbed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, the game on Saturday, early kickoff, so we did a little preview of it. Um Loads of predictions last week for it, which uh, through Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram. So quite optimistic. And looking back, it was uh, the right to be really. But when we got the team news, there was a little bit of a surprise, wasn't there? Uh, what was the surprise, John? Well, am I going to surprise you now by telling you what the surprise was? Yeah, go on. I'm the main, how the surprise main... would be. Holgate the on the bench. Surprise. Yeah, Holgate being on the bench. Uh, so that, that was the main surprise. Uh, Bernard and Walcott playing wasn't necessarily a surprise. But Schneiderlin and Sigurdsson uh, being in, in the centre cent- was a little bit of a surprise because you, looking at it, you couldn't really see where the legs were there. Uh, both very similar in their lack of movement, let's just say. Um what were your thoughts when you saw the team? Uh, yeah, like you said yourself, um, I, w- I was very surprised at Holgate not playing, uh, if not at centre half, even you know to shore up that midfield. But um, yeah, you know, Sigurdsson and Schneiderlin, probably the two most derided players, I would say, in the squad at the minute uh, for for form or or general ability. Uh, but as I'm sure we're gonna get to in a minute I thought they both had good games yeah they were yeah, decent yeah uh, Holgate's probably been our best player so far or most surprising 
uh, turnaround uh, so far in under Ancelotti uh, and Big Dunk, of course. Uh, so strange to see him left out on the bench, but you know, Keane and um, Big Yeti got, uh, were the preferred choices for the game. Uh, we were we debated whether Moisey Keane had come in, but he didn't. Uh, had to make uh, do with a place on the bench as well. And uh, Sidibe uh, made uh, had to make do with a place on the bench as well, but not for long, which we'll get to again in a little bit. Come pre- uh, preferred that right back to deal with Willie Sahar, Zahar even. Uh, yeah, and I think I remember saying to you halfway through the first half, Sahar hasn't even touched the ball yet. Um, but it was just that I didn't recognise him because I didn't realise he cut all his hair off. <laughs> yeah. I do remember that. Don't remember much else, but I remember that. Um, just quickly, just going back to a point we touched on at the minute. What do you think is Ancelotti's first choice centre half partnership at the minute? I'm not talking about what you think yours is, uh, or who's in form, who's out of form. If everyone's fit, who do you think he goes to, or do you think he doesn't know, and that's why he's rotating? I think. Just based on form at the moment, his first choice is Holgate and Mina. Uh, in the future, it's difficult to say because is, is Holgate coming good or is he having a good spell? Is Keane going bad or is he having a bad spell? I think Mina's Mina's. Uh, what uh, I think Holgate's the first name on there, but obviously he's not because he you know he didn't play on Saturday, so it's it's very difficult to say. I think well, at the well, minute. Let, let me ask you though. Let me ask you though. Is Keane going bad, or is he having a bad spell? I think he certainly had, you know, a, a spell out of form earlier on in the season. I think he's very much a confidence player, isn't he? When he's playing well, he's had a couple of good games. People are saying good things about him. He seems to, you know, that run seems to continue, but then can very quickly go the other way after a, you know, a couple of mistakes or a bad game. Uh, or people getting on his back a little bit. Um, but I think at the minute, personally, I think he sees the three centre-halves um, very much on a par, and he's picking them depending on who the opposition is, uh, or maybe even just who he thinks through, through the weekend training look like they might need a little bit of a rest or whatever, looking a bit leggy. I don't think he, at the minute, I don't think he has... Uh, like a number one partnership in mind, and he's just trying to work that out. Also, one one thing could be that he looked at Palace's lack of goals and thought that maybe we could do with rest and Holgate with the games coming up. You know, even though there's the the winter break, and then having a look at how Keane and Mina uh, fare together. You know, with the, with these games coming up, it you know another tricky spell of games following the break. So. Maybe maybe that's another thing he had, he wanted to look at. You just don't know. Yeah, I think that you mentioned that lack of goals there. I think you've seen some stats going into the game that obviously, um, you know, Ben Teke, who is their main centre forward, really, isn't he? I know Sahar's the threat. I think Sahar's only scored four goals this season, though. But um, Ben Teke, uh, he's not scored in ten and a half months, and he's only scored twice in the league in two seasons. Of course, he was a set then, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. Um, Absolute set. But there was a goal of our own before that. Yeah, I think I, I think we must have missed them um, at the post in the first uh, couple of minutes when I uh, made us late. 
Uh, I didn't. I, I don't remember seeing that. Uh, and then when I was watching Match of the Day on um, Saturday night uh, or Sunday night, uh, I noticed yeah the the post and because I didn't think they really threatened at all, apart from Benteke's goal uh, and that little spell afterwards. But yeah, they hit the post first before we even scored. We were probably still getting in the door at that point. Um, yeah, we but were dashing down the Gladys Street, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously we were shooting towards the street end in the first half. Um, and, you know, it was a lovely goal, wasn't it, the first goal? Um, I know on telly, it looks like Bernard's finish is an absolute like thunderbolt worldy, doesn't it? But um, from where we were sitting, and obviously the, the, the strike came in from right in front of us, it looked almost as if he just got his foot on it. And all the power and everything that needed to be in that shot all came from Walcott's cross door. Theo did brilliant on that right wing. And what a great ball that was. Yeah, I thought um, I thought Sigurdsson and Schneidlin did well battling back because I think I think Schneidlin lost the ball at first, but you know which isn't unusual for him. But then he managed to battle back, get a toe in. Sigurdsson laid it off, and then eventually kind of spun to Walcott, who uh, got a bit of a lucky ricochet, sent him away from the into, towards the corner flag a little bit, and he managed to dig it out and put an absolutely uh, amazing ball in. Uh, just just over uh, Calvert-Lewin's head, but straight into the path of um, Bernard. And as you just said, all the power on the cross, basically side-footed on the volley. He just had to hit it through, really. There was no, you know, didn't didn't bleem it, just side-footed it, controlled, really controlled finish. And, yeah, great one. Uh, winger to winger, great to see. Uh, no daft dancing after the goal either, nice little knee slide. Yeah, nice little 20-yard uh, knee slide, which cut up all the, all the turf on the side there. So, yeah, so the groundsman was happy. Uh, and at that point, as you say, I mean, obviously we missed the, the them in the post, but Everton, I thought, looked very much in control. Um, you know, I thought the game at that point was only going to go one way. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for Walcott, you know, it's probably you know you got the winner against Palace, and he was he was doing all right. A great assist, looked like he was gonna have a, a decent game, decent impact. Well, he already had a decent impact on the game, and then unfortunately he pulls up with what looked like a hamstring strain, and shortly after it, it comes off, uh, and Sidibe comes on on the right wing. What were your thoughts about that change? Um, well. Yeah, as you say, I think uh, he, he went down twice with it. Walcott, didn't he? he went down, got a bit of a got a bit of uh, attention, medical attention, stood up and then went about twenty yards and, and went down again. And obviously that was the end of his day. And it was one of them substitutions as well where he had to do one of the the longest walks ever with his injury, didn't he? He had to go off the far side of the pitch on the Bullens walk right the way past the street end. Someone just pulled an hamstring. That's I know they're trying to stop time wasting, but is that really a good idea, having them walk an extra 100 metres or something on the injury? Yeah, you've just uh, just walked a little bit then. I think you got caught in you've just double speed. Anyway, um, yeah, and it, but he got a nice little round of applause for his efforts, didn't he? So it was good to see because he, he's also had a lot of stick. And he, he is contributing a little bit, but he goes from like these, these really good contributions and then just turns into the worst player ever. So it's just really frustrating. But I think that's what that's why he's at Everton. And that's why he didn't succeed against, you know, he wasn't super consistent uh, and a well-beater at Arsenal, was he? 
No, but I do think he's starting to show, you know, signs of the form again of, you know, that first half a season when he he first signed for Everton. He looked like he, he was struggling, didn't he, with, with the hamstring. He'd, he'd gone down a couple of times and obviously the sub was made and it was one of those where he had to do the long walk of shame, didn't he? He had to go off the far side of the pitch by the Bullens, walk right the way round, past the street end, uh, and it was like 150 metres or something, which is not good on a hamstring strain. But it was good to see that um, Sidderby was uh, rearing to go and uh, fully equipped for the game, wasn't he? Yeah, what a dickhead. What a divvy, though. And then, in case anyone missed it, uh, he didn't have his socks on, did he? So he managed to get one sock and then had to run back down the tunnel to get his other sock. Uh, and you could see Carlo's face. He was absolutely fuming. And I remember when when Walcott was doing his, his little lap of the pitch and, and getting his round of applause. Obviously, the game had started at this point because Walcott's off the pitch. I remember looking for... Because... I was trying to think in my head, you know, where's Siddeby going to fit into the system? Is he going to go right wing? Is it going to be a bit of a change of shape? And I'm looking all around the pitch going, where is he? He's not right back. He's not right wing. He hadn't even come on. He got back to get his socks. This is one of those things that winds me up, honestly. Why can't a player just have his have his kit on under his trackie? What's, what, why did he always have to put shirts on? Why have they not just got the shirt under the training top or the coat? Especially this time of year when it's freezing. Yeah, mad. Did you see? Uh, did you watch the highlights where uh, Holgate and Tom Davies were doing uh, bags one, two, three, or uh, rock paper scissors to see who got a Davies coat to put over them as a blanket? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. So Sadibi comes on uh, straight, uh, like for like swap. Really, he goes onto the into the right wing. My thoughts on this. Iwobi was on the bench and Keane was on the bench obviously we were 1-0 up so it looked like he tried to shore it up a little bit but I think he started to get into the game a little bit then down that um, down there left hand side and our right I don't think the balance was as good with us having the uh, Sadibi and Coleman over there on the right I don't think they linked up that well at all yeah it, it was one of them wasn't it at first I think there was a few people around us a few dissenters in the street end obviously wondering why Sadibi was the change. I mean, you had a lot of options there, didn't you? You could have put Richarlison out to the left, brought Keane on up front. Uh, sorry, out on the right, brought Keane on up front. Uh, you could have brought a Wobie on, maybe had a little bit of a, sh- a shift round with Bernard. Uh, there was there was a number of options they could have done there, really. Uh, but you know, I do think I don't like Sidibe at right back. I think he's defensively suspect. Um, He's, he's always got a foul in him in a dangerous position, I think. Uh, but what what I do think is I do think he's a decent crosser of the ball, and I do think he can he can out muscle players get, when he's getting forward. Um, so yeah, I, I, know, I can see why they brought him on at right back, uh, right wing. Um, and yeah, but as you say, the, the the last half of the first half we didn't play well. I thought you know. We didn't show any sort of fluidity or whatever. And that's when Palace got back into the game with Mr. Benteke, who never scores, that we mentioned before. Yeah, so we went in we went in at um, 1-0 half-time. And then, you know, that's that's when they... It, it, it wasn't really... We, we, we were, I think we were dominating the possession a little bit. They had a few... A little bit, uh, a little bit of success down our right-hand side. 
with um, Zahar and AU. Uh, and it, it, but it wasn't looking that shaky until they got the goal. And the goal itself was just so avoidable. Uh, the ball comes through to Benteke. He takes a little bit wide. Dina kind of forces him on the outside a little bit, but doesn't close him down quick enough. And he gets the shot away. Ultimately, it was quite a tame shot, though, wasn't it? And it just goes through Pickford. Yeah, Paul from Pickford again. You know, spoke about Jordan a few times over the last few weeks, and I'm not as big as fan. I'm not happy with him. Uh, but as you say, I think you know. I think in Pickford's head, he's thinking, you know, Dean's going to shepherd it out or going to push him wide enough to not be able to get the shot off. Um, perhaps he wasn't expecting the shot, but he should be expecting. Even if he's not actually expecting it, he still still should be prepared for that. Um, and yeah, Paul went straight under him. Um, and it's 1-1. Uh, do you know what? This, I was talking to uh, you know, Paul's old mate, Freddie. I was talking to him in Segura, um afterwards and just saying about this, uh, Pickford. And the thing he gets uh, criticised for a lot now is because he's, like he's like a little bit of a big-time Charlie and thinks highly of himself. But that leads to rash movements and rash decisions. So he throws himself, he threw himself down. It was pretty much straight at him. Stick your foot out. But he does that a lot. He flaps the flaps at the ball a lot and tries to do this this extravagant kind of saves when really stick your hand up, stick your foot out. I think sometimes he he, he is that kind of one for the cameras or he does flap a little bit more. Just it needs a little bit more uh, calm really and then playing for the side and not for himself looking good. So he kind of redeemed himself not long after though, didn't he? He did. I must admit, when I went 1-1, I feared the worst, in all honesty. You know, Marco Silva's Everton probably would have capitulated at that point and we probably would have ended up getting beat. Um, but as you say, it wasn't long before we were back on top and a bit of brilliance from our little... Bra- well, I say little. Our little Brazilian, that's been hard, isn't it? But yeah. our Brazilian magician, uh, Richarlison, uh, you know, only... It was all the goal was all his, uh, and I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, so just just uh, leading up to that, the, you Penteke, uh, I had, had another chance. Well, two chances where the corner whipped in, kind of deflected off his knee or something, hit the post, Pickford flapping again. But then another chance he had where he had a header, and Pickford closed him down, spread his body really well, and then not long after that, that superb breakaway. Thought Calvert Lewin did excellent. Uh, just nodding the ball on, just on the halfway line into the path of Richarlison. And as you say, Richarlison done the rest. Uh, Gary Hales, no, you know, no, no mark. He uh, drew him out, sent him, sent him the wrong way a little bit with a cut inside and then a superb finish uh, into the, into the corner, bottom corner, knocking the, uh, the old water bottle over as he did it. It was a superb finish. That's a good way to describe it. And when when you think of a goal, that's a superb finish. You think of like you know a rocket into the top corner or like a thirty yard curler. And it wasn't either of those things. But the pace he was running at, you know, he was still under pressure from defenders. He's just cut inside and just to the placement was perfect. So it was it was a great finish. Just quickly jumping back though, that that you know I've heard, I've seen a few bit of conversation on social media since the game. Obviously, people criticising Pickford for the goal that went in, but then a few people defending him by saying, you know, 
that save that he made just before the Richarlison goal, the point blank one. Um, I don't think that was a good save. I know this might sound like picking on Pickford time, but I just think he was in the way. He was there. You know, he could That's not save. Yeah, I know, but but what I'm saying is, I just don't think he could couldn't have not saved it. It was just. I know you can say he was in the right position, but I don't think it was a great save by any imagination. I just think it was just, it just happened because he was there. That's shady, though. Well, I'm just, you know, that, that's what this podcast for, giving our opinions. The thing, thing about going back to the, the Richarlison one again now, um, it was also the pace that he was running at, the strength. His fitness is excellent. Breakaway against Watford last week in the 90th minute. And this one's, you know, on about the seventieth uh, odd minute, bombing forward with that much pace and strength, and uh, the finish at the end of it, not just like a little p roller finish, uh, superb finish into the corner, as we said before. And you know, he's off, no dancing again. Another knee slides, uh, one of our favourites. Yeah, I mean, it, it was weird, wasn't it? Because I know you're saying about his fitness, but there were times before he scored that goal where he looked absolutely dead on his feet and knackered. He's one of them players, isn't he, where he looks like, when he's having a breather, he looks like he needs a breather. Yeah. But, you know, some of the stats that are coming out about him, you, you know, the, the, the best back and back uh, forward in the country. And... That was one of the things I think he's been unsung about, and now he's getting praise for it. He's just that that finish though was just unbelievable, and his part in the third goal as well. I thought that it, the way he got up for that header, how unlucky he was when he when he hit the bar with it. He he is looking like the complete player at the moment. Yeah, I mean the third goal, um, you know the way he got up for it, shades of Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I know that. I know that that sounds stupid, but you know, if you look at that, the way he's scored that second goal, and the way he's got up for the header for the third goal, the way he's rose up, the, the you know the the direction on the ball. I know it's at the bar and, and come out and, and DCL slotted it, but um, you know, if Ronaldo had done them two things in a game, everyone would be raving about it. But did, did you see the comparisons? It seemed a strange one. Comparisons between Ronaldo and. Uh, Richarlison, both uh, stats by the age of 22 uh, on Sky Sports early in the week, and he's not quite up there. Is it, right, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't realise that these comparisons were made. I didn't realise this was floating about. That had just come to me then while we were talking about it. So, yeah, yeah something that's doing the rounds. Yeah, obviously, uh, Ronaldo, a few more goals and assists, and everything else. But you know, it, it, it's good company to be keeping though, isn't it? If you're starting to get comparisons like that, and then assist for each other. You know, a goal and an assist for each other for the for the front two, and the other goal was winger to winger. That's amazing progress uh, for Everton, that isn't it? Well, it is, yeah. Uh, and really, we should have had four, shouldn't we? Because DCL literally a minute or two later should have scored another sitter, and I think that again was that from a Richardson shot. I think so. I turned around and missed it. <laughs> But then to Richarlison's goal, I thought um, I thought Cahill had got a block in and put sent it for the corner because it was it was that fast that I, I didn't see it going. So I missed a few things on Saturday. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but, but that goal, it, you know, the the, the performance, the, the the front two linking up. Uh, DCL's got six and eight now um, under Ancelotti. Just amazing turnaround, and the Blues go up to 
seventh in the league. I know there's still a third of the season left. Um, looking at it now, who do you think is going to be Everton's player of the season? I think it's going to end up being Richarlison. DCL, I think he's he's getting he's getting a lot of the goals and stuff at the moment, but Richarlison is doing. I mean, that second goal there, he did a lot more on his own, and he got us out of the shit with that yeah. goal. Yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be out to Richarlison DCL. I think it, you know if DCL goes on and gets another ten goals and the, the you know for the rest of the season and gets past the twenty goals barrier or whatever, then it, it could very easily be DCL. But I think at the minute Richarlison's certainly the favourite. The future looks bright with them two though, doesn't it? You know, both twenty two. If you we can keep them. if we can keep hold of them, it does. There's gonna certainly be people knocking away. Do you know what I saw the other day? I saw obviously interesting footy uh, on on Twitter and on uh, you know Facebook or whatever I follow a couple of te- you know quite a few Premier League teams some of their fan pages uh, and there was one it was an Aston Villa one I can't remember what they call like the Aston Villa Brigade or the Holt M Boys or something uh, and it, it, some lads are saying whoever runs the page basically said uh, we'll sell Jack Grealish for 100 million in the, in the summer which will give us a war chest of 300 million, uh, which I think if we spend on these realistic targets, uh, we will make the top four next year. This is Aston Villa. Uh, and the, the, I was looking through the team he, he, he was going to buy, and bearing in mind he said realistic targets that Villa could get hold of. He had Wilfred Sahar on the right wing, uh, and he had Dominic Calvert-Lewin up front. Okay. He All just right. thinks, you know, Aston Villa are going to come call and, uh, and just snatch up DCLA. I saw I saw some, some similar kind of thing with, with the success Sheffield United are having this season. If they get into Europe, they'll have 100 million to play with. So they will test Everton's resolve for Charleston with a 100 million bid. Sheffield United? <laughs> well, I've heard he's always wanted to play in a, t- in a side with John Lundstrom. That's what I've heard. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, anyway, so the Blues win 3-1. Uh, you, as you said before, under Silver, that could have been a very different story. Uh, I mean, does Richarlison go on that run under Silver? Does the team spirit come through under Silver? Or, you know, did Richarlison, was it Richarlison who got, who's got out of that? Or is it just a symptom of, of the way we're playing at the moment? Uh, I don't think, you know... It would have been the same result as I said before. I think under Silva, we'd have just, you know, heads would have dropped. There'd have been no motivation from the bench. Uh, and I think we probably would have ended up 2 1 down and then it could have been any score. Uh, on, the, on the subject of ex managers, uh, the game obviously in, in, England, in the UK was shown live on BT Sport and our old friend Big Sam was, uh, was on uh-huh. the Pundit panel. Uh, and he was, uh, he was complaining about uh, Everton fans singing about uh, Carlo Ancelotti and, uh, you know, having big flags. And basically, he, he said, uh, you know, don't forget that I beat Crystal Palace 3-1 at Goodison uh, and nobody was singing my name. Yeah, no, uh, he's he's an, he's a he's just a bella and that fella, isn't he? Well, that's why he hasn't got a job now, isn't he? Yeah. Um. So who, was, who would you give your man of the match to? Do you- I was thinking about this. For me, 
again, similar to last week, obviously last week I went with Mina the night because obviously he scored the goals and it was his impact on the game. And this week it's going to be, for the same reason, it's going to have to be Richarlison, uh, you know, for his, his impact, getting us back into the game. Uh, and then obviously for the, basically made the third goal as well. But, um, you know, you can't, it's an honourable mention for, for Morgan Schneiderlin. Yeah, I agree. I I completely agree. I, I I put on our Facebook that, and sometimes you don't want the level, you don't want the fume, do you? You can't be dealing with the fume, so you don't like saying thoughts and idling and had a good game, uh, because you know people are going to come back to you and say I shite or whatever. Put out out there, and it seemed like almost unanimous. He got man of the match from people watching, and he he, he did have a much better game. He just needs. Remember when he first played for us. When he played for Southampton, and then uh, when he uh, signed for, did he sign for Tottenham and then Man U? No, he's never been at Tottenham. It was Southampton so United. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, but he was he used to ping the ball all over the show, and in his first season with us, he was doing that. Something happened with his confidence where he'd get the ball and the first thing he'd do have a little pivot round and lay it back five ten yards. Some of those crossfield balls started to appear again on Saturday. And that was an, a, a really good sign. He was putting himself about a little bit more, picking off loose balls, uh, and he, he was just there. Really good sign for hopefully him getting back to the player he was. So as man of the match. Yeah, basically he's he's got until the end of the season to try and prove a point, hasn't he? To try and prove that there is still a decent player in there. You know, he's pretty he's pretty much guaranteed really to to be at least on the bench or to be starting, isn't he? Uh, you know, so he's got a good, well, however many games, at the state of the season still left, isn't it? So uh, let's see what he can do. And hopefully his form will continue to get better till the end of the season. Well, if, if you know, you've got Delph coming, coming back after the one game suspension, you know, you, you would have thought it'd be a safe for him to make way and maybe Sigurdsson to, uh, to play alongside Delph and Delph being the more mobile. He's got a choice now, hasn't he? As much as Snyderland's derived, I can't. I don't see any real difference in the two of them, uh, you know, quality-wise this season. And I think you know Snyderland's starting to show signs of being in a little bit of form. So as it is, I think Delph's got a fight for his shirt, and I think I'd certainly start Snyderland next game based on what he did. All right, okay, we'll leave that there. Three-one, um, lose up to seven. And, uh, you know, we're chasing the Europa League place now, so great stuff. Winter break time. News. Okay, so just looking at some Everton news, you sent me a nice little uh, list of notes again, Mr. Professional. The first one. Is this the most newsworthy? The transfer deadline moved back to the 1st of September. It may not be the most newsworthy, but it was the one that came up first while I was talking about Everton News <laughs> of the Week. So rather than put them in order of importance, I just went in uh, time order. And it, we were either going to start with this or we were going to start with Philip Schofield's big revelation that he, uh, he plays for the same team as James McFadden. So I chose this. Yeah, good one. Um, 
what this this thing with the first of September for the bigger clubs, that's great, isn't it? Because if they don't have a good start to the season, they've got a few games then to go out and cherry pick the top talent of the rest of the league. Are we one of those big clubs, or are, or should we fear those bigger clubs coming in and taking our talent should their seasons not start well? Well, you know, I think. This is, we've gone back to the old system, haven't we? We had one season this year where they decided to put the transfer deadline back. So it was before the start of the season. So teams knew what squads they had. And, uh, you know, kids weren't buying shirts and getting players' names on only for the player to be sold, all that sort of, all that sort of stuff. But um, it, it clearly left the English clubs at a big disadvantage last year because they were still there to be... Uh, cherry picked by other teams in Europe so I think the only way it would have worked moving it to before the start of the season would have been for every league to come in line with that no one else has done it so I think this was the only option really wasn't it to put it back in line with Europe I guess so it's it's uh, it's a shame though because it does leave us at a disadvantage for the top four but then for the smaller clubs as well you know, and then the smaller clubs knock on effect to the lower league clubs, and it's. I, I would I would like that you know the, the system where everyone has their as their squad, windows shut, and then you start your season like that, that's it, and then you get your winter a transfer window, and then you do that you close it again. Everyone's closes at the same time, but as you said, it's difficult when you've got leagues starting at different stages. So, yeah, it is a tricky one. Apparently, Ancelotti doesn't like it, though. Doesn't like the September the 1st deadline? Yeah. Did he want it to stay as it was with before the so. start probably, of the season? He probably fears the same thing. He probably thinks, oh, great, we'll have a good start. If we have a good start of the season, and then we've got to keep an eye out you know, for whether City are sniffing around with Charleston or DCL or someone. Yeah, I mean, looking at it solely from an Everton point of view, I think certainly the days have gone where, you know, we'd be worried about losing players after the season started just purely for money, you know, because we got, you know, like a, a John Stones bid uh, where, you know, we need the money. So, and it, the, the offer's too good to turn down because I don't really think we need money anymore. You know, there's enough money knocking around at the club. Um, I think the only time you're ever going to be in real trouble losing a player is, you know, the Barcelona bid for Richarlison, does become a reality and it's one of those teams that are just too good for somebody to turn down um, but I think we'll be alright I think I think it will suit us this season I think we'll be able to snap up a few players and we won't really lose anybody hopefully hopefully if, if we carry on the way we're going this season we're going to be pushing up for the, for the higher you know for the, the, the higher tier of players so it shouldn't be a worry so the next bit of news Mark Everton ladies moving to Walton Hall Park what can you tell me about that you could have built into this a bit better by saying we've finally got confirmation of uh, of moving ground and then we could have gone into the Everton Ladies story. Um, again, it was just a little bit just picked up on this week. I haven't really seen it around too much, no heavily reported, but uh, the, for the first time ever like, last weekend, uh, it's meant to be the, the, the women's derby. It was meant to be getting played the Goodison, but obviously... Uh, the storm saw that game off, so that's big, having to be rearranged. Uh, and on the back of that, uh, the news broke that uh, 
Uh, Everton women will be changing. They usually play at Southport at the minute, which isn't particularly great because it's miles away, isn't it? It's not exactly uh, keeping Everton in uh, L4 or, or even in, in the city. But um, they will be playing in, in L4 because they're moving to Walton Hall Park, which is one of the places that uh, has been mooted for a, a new stadium for Everton in the past. Not really got any more thoughts on it. Nice to be like neighbours though, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, it is. I just obviously we're playing in the park though. Who, whose jumpers are they going to use to make the goals? Not using mine. Dog shit everywhere. I could be very sexist and start making comments about the girls taking the jump. No, I won't go there. No, uh, no, but no, it's no, going to be no, no. It, it's going to be where uh, basically there is a little ground there with stands and that that the Liverpool County FA use on it. Uh, I played on that pitch. The pitch is, is unreal. It's like Wembley. Uh, really well looked after pitch. Really good. A hundred times better than Trenton Park, what they play on there. So, yeah. uh, playing surface would be perfect for the for the women. But And a nice little compact round just in, in the shadows of Goodison. I wonder why I know in the um, in the in the non-league um, we had in work we had a little partnership thing going on with uh, Little and Remica, and they weren't allowed to be part of or be promoted uh, unless they doubled their seats from fifty to a hundred. Uh, are they, they going to start you know putting a focus on women's football and is that going to become a nice little uh, non-leagueish caliber ground in Watlow Park? Um. Potentially, I don't know. As as the game grows, then you would think that attendances are going to grow and they're going to have to start looking at, at different possibilities and different grounds. I don't think there's any rules at, at the moment. I think most professional women's sides tend to use local non-league sides, non-league yeah. grounds, sorry. Um, that's the norm. So Everton are just getting with the programme and I say Southport was a little bit far away, wasn't it? You've got Liverpool playing in Birkenhead. You've got Everton women playing in Southport. They need to be closer to where they're from. Yeah, I, I just the scope there, though, isn't there for the under-18s teams, maybe? The under-23s are probably... Uh, I don't know whether it, it, it's it's below them or beneath them, uh, so to speak. But maybe the under eighteen sides gives them a little bit of a... You know, a little bit of exposure in Walton as well so maybe something to look at yeah potentially yeah getting back to the men's squad though uh, next little bit I've picked up um, an interview with James Coleman the other day uh, and obviously they were discussing you know what his thoughts were for the rest of the season for Everton um, and he said you know the squad now are firmly focused on qualifying for Europe whether that's the Europa League or even an outside chance of the Champions League that's what the the target obsessed themselves, which you know Coleman himself admitted would have been unheard of a couple of months ago. Yeah, it, it, uh, Ancelotti said the same about well, you know, uh, the focus for Europe. He's he, I think he's a little bit more realistic in his thoughts for Europa. But looking at that league table now, the way it is, one more win and the results go our way, We're within touching distance. So it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a mad one, uh, and. You know, we we talked about this a little bit last week about the Europa League, and I, I think we've got to be we've got to be aiming for that with Ancelotti and looking to get back amongst the elite, and that's the first step to doing that. So I think we, you know, you've got you've got to. I don't think it is like when we when we got there with Moyes and that. He's he's going to know what he needs to do to strengthen that squad, 
and manage that squad in order to cope with football on a European front and on a league front. Yeah, I agree. And I think European football, be it the Europa uh, or, as we say, an outside chance of the Champions League, I think would be very different under Ancelotti. You know, I think Everton would have a really good go at any competition we were involved in and we'd see an Everton who were, you know, really well drilled in European football uh, from the manager himself. Yeah. Going back to Carlo, uh, he kept him out with a glowing statement today about uh, Liverpool being an informal uh, city and uh, like Everton being like a, like a family club and he wants to extend his day past 2024. So his, uh, his, his four-year contract that he signed, four-and-a-half-year contract that he signed, he wants to extend that already. So if he, if he carries on the way he is, I think uh, it's a certainty, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit early in the day, <laughs> you know, start yeah, planning for four yeah. years in the future. Um, I think he's possibly just holding out for his free bus pass uh, when he yeah. when he reaches yeah. retirement age. But, um, you know, yeah. but he... he certainly started off well. And, I, I, you know, I don't think there's a single Evertonian out there who's unhappy with him or unhappy with the appointment. So, um, long may it rain. I'd love to see us win a manager, you know, that was here for eight, ten, twelve even more years you know I think that's the secret to a club I really do you look at I know alright you know some people didn't like Moyes towards the end but the fact that he was there such a long time and, and really knew the club that was when we've been the most successful isn't it really since Howard so um, yeah you did break up a little bit there but um, I, I know what you're saying but, but that kind of stability with uh, you know if you look at Arsenal under Arsene Wenger of course it went a little bit sour towards the end you look at uh, Man United under Ferguson, having that, uh, having that kind of stability with someone who's got that kind of much success, you know, he is one of the oldest managers in the league. But there's no reason why he can't go on into his 70s. You look at Roy Hodgson, who's, you know, in his 70s now. There's no reason why he can't. So, yeah, go for it. No, I agree. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Right, the next two stories I am going to christen are down with the kids section. Uh, because I'm going to skip one and go to the last story I've got wrote down here because I don't even know what this means. <laughs> Being a 41-year-old man, Everton have today announced that they've launched a TikTok channel. Now, to me, TikToks are those little minty sweets you get in a little plastic box. <laughs> you shake your TikToks at me. Exactly. Yeah. What's a TikTok channel, John? Um, it's the latest Vine kind of thing with little 15-second videos. Vine died off a while ago. They keep trying to redo these new, newer variations of it, and yeah, I don't know. So I'm what far sort too old of for it as well? I've got no idea. What sort of content can we expect to see on an Everton TikTok channel? Do you think? A lot of Moisey Keane dancing, a lot of lip syncing, a lot of uh, Richarlison doing a pigeon dance, uh, uh, and. Um, yeah, I can't think of much else. 
Will we see like the it, the Kevin Morales chicken video? Will will something like that pop up again? Chicken? I don't know. I don't. I just. I can't. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I, I mean, I've seen I've seen people sharing it on Instagram and stuff like. That. I just, as we're far too old for that kind of stuff. I'm far too old for Instagram, but I'm trying to manage that. Um, yeah, we added someone to our, our work Facebook Messenger group the other day, and he's like, "What are you using this for?" Me nan uses this. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I'm just we're just old, dad. Do you remember when we were kids and if you wanted to do like fantasy football, you'd have to do that thing where you'd have to send off, you had to mail your team in. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you used to do it for the first week and pick your side for the first week. Uh, and then that was it. You couldn't be bothered anymore. Yeah, no one had stamps, did they? To start sending letters. <laughs> um, so we've got other bits of news here, which aren't necessarily news news as such. You've put ex-players, Rom's digestive... No, hang on, hang on, you missed a bit. We skipped a story because I wanted to get to the TikTok in our other story in the Down with the Kids section. um, A couple of players have... Obviously, it's the winter break. A couple of players have had a a few days to to get away. And um, a couple have headed over to New York. Tom Davis and DCL are over at New York Fashion Week. Um, And they are causing a right stare on social media with uh, some of the outfits that are going on. Have you seen any of the pictures? I have seen some of the pictures, yeah. Fair play to them. Do you know what? what? Exactly. That that was my thought, exactly. And listen, you've been known to wear a few crazy outfits in your time, haven't you? When it comes to crazy fashion ideas, you probably, well, you easily beat me. However, I have actually been to New York Fashion Week. Bet you didn't know that. You couldn't tell. <laughs> you couldn't tell at all. I introduced the uh, suede Adidas trainer to, to New York Fashion oh, Week. Uh, yeah, now I was just there randomly in New York a few years ago, and, and it was going on, and there was some uh, there was some odd outfits going around. But uh, Tom Davis loves a long coat, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And he loves he loves a woolly hat and a long coat combo. And yeah. a man bag. How is he going to skateboard in that long coat? Maybe it's just it's got big pockets in to keep a skateboard in. You should get that Arsene Wenger kind of long coat. Remember he he was famous for a few years ago, which he couldn't zip up. Yeah, but if 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 a very intelligent man like Arsene Wenger couldn't zip it up, Tom Davis has got no chance. He'd be getting his air caught in it. <laughs> yeah, no chance. Okay, have you done our down with the kids section? That's the end of the down with the kids section. We can now move on to our random bits about players that no longer play for Everton. I was I was I was Rom's scraping around. Digestive problems. Have you seen digestive Did his biscuit fall in his brew? <laughs> that would be a that definitely would be a digestive problem. Uh, now apparently he's I don't know if you've seen this, but you know he, he's yeah, back him yeah. in Italy now and for for Inter, and he he's basically said that. Last year when he was at Man United and he was fat, it wasn't his fault he was fat. Uh, it was because he had like some sort of season-only stomach issue. Do what? I don't know. Apparently he had a stomach problem. All right. Okay. Well, yeah, he, he did have a stomach problem. He was fat. That just lasted for one season. 
Yeah, he had a stomach problem. He was fat for one season, yeah. Do you think he? Do you think he was misquoted then? Instead of having a that saying I had a digestive problem, it was I ate too many digestives. <laughs> yeah, he had a digestive addiction. Yeah, that was it. Um, yeah. Well, it, whatever he's saying, you know, for whatever works for him, and now he thinks he's, you know, fit, and lean again, uh, and he's knocking goals in again. It's, it's, it's sometimes it's in the head, it's in it. So. It is what it is. I saw that it's, it's you, you, some, you, you uh, answered a question on social media, would you have him back? And you said, yes, yes, yes. That's of course strong, would. Yeah. I'd, I'd definitely take him back, yes. yeah. Um, you know, still think he's the best centre-forward we've had at the club since Gary Lineker. Um, I still think he's a class player and one of the best uh, centre-forwards in the world. Old on. What about my mate who I, I, I bumped into on Saturday since Gary Lineker? My little mate TC. Yeah, he's the next bit of news here. He's he's probably up there as well, isn't he? In that bracket of like the better strikers we've had since, you know, the, the heyday of Graham Sharp and Andy Gray and Gary Lineker and those sorts of players. Um, but I'd rather have Lukaku leading the line and tiny Tony Cotty any day of the week. Yeah, uh, just going back to that's the next thing. Tony Cotty meets Johnny on Saturday. More newsworthy for him, to be honest, wasn't it? In meeting me, uh, co-host did of the Not Bitter. Are the rumours true? Don't call, him, don't call him Diddy. That's not very nice. Are the rumours true that he asked for your autograph thinking you were Michael Madar? <laughs> uh, I can neither uh, deny nor confirm that rumour. No. So, did he have anything interesting <laughs> to say then, TC? Uh, I, just a little bit of chit-chat of when, when I met him, but he, he did a little bit of a, a bit with Paul. Paul's not been doing the uh, on-the-mic uh, player visits for a little while, but because TC doesn't get up that often, and he took the day off from uh, Sports, uh, Sports Saturday to come up to go to some, uh, and, you know, did, did the rounds there, uh, in their suites and then came into Paul's. Some of the things he had to say were really quite, yeah, definitely interesting. Paul asked him about him, you know, being stuck on the 99 goals forever and what a shame that was. Uh, saying how disappointed he was because he joined in 88. Obviously, Everton won the league in 87. Uh, and just the fact that he couldn't quite fulfil that. Uh, potential. He signed record signing, wasn't he at the time? I think it was like 3.2 million. I mean, if you think about that, 3.2 million wasn't that long ago that he signed. So it's um, saying that's like for 30 odd years, isn't it? So that was that, massive that money. That, and now. that was massive yeah. money then days, and and that was my first ever game, his debut. That's trick, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. It's against one... Newcastle, Mirandinia scored for them. Remember it like yesterday. <laughs> Steve sat me on the bars in the street end and when we scored I fell off <laughs> and bet you Steve didn't was too busy jumping around to not pay much attention so. yeah I think he went so over what, it was I mean, at the end that, of the game and I remembered I was there yeah so my first my first uh, game was 92 season uh, with Barry Owen scored and I think it was uh, uh, Paul Ryder making his debut up front with Tony Cotty and obviously the season after, which was the Wimbledon game, where Cotty, that was that was Cotty's last season, possibly for us. So 
what he, what, one of the funny things, what he said, you know, Everton won the league in 87. He joined in 88. He left in 94 and we won the cup in 95. So he was a little bit jinxed in his time with us, really. Yeah, and we um, nearly got relegated while he was there as well. The closest we've ever been. Yeah, he did say, though, you know, Howard, Howard sold him. Um, and I can't remember, he sold him back to West Ham and he ended up going to Leicester and then there was talk about him um, going coming back to Everton under Howard. Uh, when Howard was back in charge, which was, I, I don't remember those links at the time, but, you know, interesting one. Um, and also, I didn't, I didn't hear about this. He had a, um, he had a health scare last year uh, and Phil Thompson, of all people, like really kind of helped him out of the shit there. So, you know, we're trying to get him to bury Phil Thompson, uh, but, you know, he had a lot of good things to say about it. So, you know, sometimes we, we, we can't credit them, can we? But if he hadn't have acted, we might have been a, uh, a blue down. He's still got a massive nose, though, hasn't he? He still should sit down, a long-nosed prick. Yeah. Uh, the last bit of ex-player news. Gibson. Debbie. Debbie Gibson. D- did she ever play for us, Debbie Gibson? <laughs> she probably would have played more than Darren Gibson, yeah? She's probably a better driver than him, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, Darren Gibson uh, was without a club. Um, up to the transfer window, uh, and now he's signed for uh, Salford City. So he, he's back uh, with his old, his old pals, uh, you know, Giggsy and Scholes and Button and the Neville. So Phil Neville and Darren Gibson, two ex Everton players now playing over there at Salford. Well, that's going to really help out his alcoholism, isn't it? <laughs> Being back hey. with his own old mates on the lash. Yeah, exactly. Playing non-league football. Well, no, they're in the league now. I say non-league, but yeah, they're, they're in the they're in league two now, aren't they? So, and, uh, and and still doing well, still climbing those leagues. Yeah, um, we we've got no game to look forward to here, Mark. So I think that's pretty much we can wrap it up there. Uh, we will be back next week with a preview. Um, so I'll do the usual thanks, and then we we can sign off and leave you to it. Um, thanks for everyone listening through uh, Apple Podcasts on Spotify. I think I said Spotify twice last week. I meant Stitcher. Uh, also available on Stitcher. Uh, you, are you listening through Apple Podcasts, Mark, or through Spotify? Uh, Apple Podcasts at the minute. Do Apple like the sound Podcast. of your own voice on Apple Podcasts, I must admit. Yeah, the, the OG, uh, Apple Podcasts, the best the best platform. Sorry, Spotify, but, you know. Um, well, it's only the best po- platform if you've got an Apple phone. It is, yeah. <laughs> so which and there's, there's, there seems to be less and less people doing at the moment, anyway. So grateful to be on Spotify too. Uh, but yeah, no game to look forward to. This winter break, the first the first experiment with this. I can't say I'm a fan of it. We have enough breaks with internationals throughout the season, and the, uh, at least it's not around Christmas because that is a, a, a massive time for uh, the English football fan, isn't it? Yeah, I must admit, you know, when I left you in the ground, you know, I had to get back because uh, I had childcare duties of all things. So the minute our game finished, I ran out of the ground. And the weirdest thing happened to me, it's never happened to me before. I got up by the bookies on the corner and there was a taxi with a light on. I jumped straight in it on Goodison Road, honestly. And it beat all the traffic. It got straight oh, out. And I thought to myself, that, that's boss. So... I was thinking, yeah, I go get back, pick my little girl up, get in the house, get the iPad on, 
watch a game at three o'clock because I'd be well back for three o'clock. Got back <laughs> at ten to three, all set up. There was no games at three o'clock. There was one other game at half five. Gutted. Well, I told, I told you what my potential plan was, wasn't it? I was going to try and shoot over for the Tramia game. Um, me, me mates over there didn't end up doing that. Ended up staying with Paul and Mark in the uh, in Segura for a little bit. And Tony Cotty. Don't forget Tony Cotty. Oh, oh yeah, TC. Me and TC, yeah. Uh, and then ended up going over to Birkenhead anyway. Missed me stopping Birkenhead, so ended up in Oxton or somewhere. Absolutely bursting. Uh, so <laughs> just trying to find where my mates were in Birkenhead Centre. Tram me, I got beat. Uh, you did your childcare. I did my childcare with me, with my pisshead mates and myself afterwards. So, you know, good weekend overall. Yeah. Um, so... I think that's enough of our weekends in general, isn't it? Yeah. Nobody's still listening to this podcast, so it doesn't matter. So uh, I'm off to eat a full packet of digestive biscuits anyway. Nice one. Congratulations, Blues. Cheers.